Hello, and welcome to the H in HR podcast, where people discuss the most important aspect of human resources, the human aspect. Now, here is your host, Ricky Baez. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Ricky Baez, and I am your host for the H in HR podcast. Hopefully, everybody's doing well in this uh, holiday season, and uh, we just got a couple of weeks left before the end of the year, and um, I have yet, and I have yet to start my shopping. And I know I uh, I need to get that I need to get going on that ASAP. But I'm not here to talk about that, folks. I'm here to talk about the guest for today's show. And the guest for today's show is somebody I met over in Jacksonville, and his name is Harrison Pashadi. And let me tell you about Harrison. He's a sales executive over at uh, ADP. And you know when I had a, a a conversation with him over at Disrupt HR Jacksonville 2.0 earlier this year, um, his approach to helping leaders and make sense of all different things. I just use his tagline because his tagline on LinkedIn is helping leaders make sense of an ever-changing world. And that is exactly what I'm going to call this podcast because that's the conversation we had. We had a great conversation about all the tools that leaders have uh, in the workforce today and how to take advantage of them and how he helps them with that. So I'm not even going to waste any more time, folks. That said, check it out. Harrison Pashati. My man, Harrison, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are things going? You know what? It, it's uh, it's just getting over the flu, man. I don't know if you've ever had the flu, and uh, nothing about the flu sounds appeasing. So it's not like I'm I'm saying anything that nobody knows. It's just a horrible thing the, to go no through, man. Uh, no one's been like, yes, I got I got the flu. This is the greatest greatest week of my life. Well, it depends what kind of crappy job people have. They they will say that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's right. So, Harrison, you and I first met at Disrupt HR Jacksonville 2.0 earlier this year. And I and, yeah. and I, I I want everybody to know that that the reason I, I wanted to bring you on the show is because you got up on stage. And it, for everybody that doesn't know, Disrupt HR is when you get up on stage and you do uh, a five-minute talk, no more, no less, um, and you got 20 slides. Each slide transitions from one slide to the next every 15 seconds. So you, you don't have control. So you got up there. You started talking. It, it's I'm not going to lie. I don't remember what you talked about. What I do remember is you had everybody singing Backstreet Boys, right? <laughs> So yeah. uh, I wanted you to, to, you know, to just connect with you and then uh, just uh, spend some time because I wanted to talk about your presentation style. But more importantly, um, you have a tagline on your LinkedIn that I absolutely love. And your tagline is helping leaders make it make sense of an ever changing world. And what a time to have that conversation, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. The world the world is definitely changing. I mean, I think. Uh... I think everyone can agree since since COVID and 2020, like nothing nothing has stayed the same for probably longer than six months. I mean, there's been a just incredible amount of change in mm-hmm. the workplace, but like even just in our personal lives. And so it's just like, how do we how do we navigate that? 
Well, one of those changes that it actually we were just talking about it be be before the the uh, recording is Chat GPT and AI, and I'm like, let's stop. This is show material right here, right? <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. It, it, because it's and I know and look, I know people are are in their cars right now or working out right now. They're cringing. It's like God, more about Chat GPT. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not more just about, about yeah. Chat GPT. It's more about the evolution of artificial intelligence, right? And and now you work for ADP, right? Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. Right now, there's a disclaimer. Right, like it's what's that? What's that? This disclaimer, Harrison. So disclaimer here is uh, love love ADP. However, everything uh, in this show is my own opinions and thoughts, and not those of of ADP. I actually, you know what? That's awesome. It's uh, for the three people that listening: my wife, my mom, and my aunt. It's it, it, it's there. It, it's well, maybe there. My, my wife might listen to. Oh, perfect! So. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank some, you. Get some viewership there. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. No, awesome. I mean, it, it, it's what a time to have this conversation, though, right? It, it's um, what, what from your perspective, right? You you connecting with leaders because that's what you do. You connect with leaders. You help them out. How is it that you help them make sense of this ever changing world? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a great question because there's a lot that that goes on, um, and I think it kind of where where I'll, I'll start is just a little bit with my my background. So. I was at ADP for about four and a half years, and I actually left and went to a uh, like a, a sales tech startup, um, and was was there for a little bit, and then went to Gartner, like the the advisory and consulting firm, and was on their sales advisory practice, and then made my way back to to ADP. So in in that uh, time frame, I got to work with. HR leaders and CFOs, and then transition o- over to like CROs, um, and then make another transition to like again working with VPs of sales, SVPs of sales, ops, enablement, th- things like that. So I was able to kind of really get this holistic approach of an organization, especially kind of like from a um, from an employee perspective, uh, but also from from a, a leadership level, mm. and you know working with people and trying to get them to make sense of their situation. It's really more of a, Hey, like where, where are you? And here's, here's what we're seeing in, in the workplace. And here's what we're seeing um, trending in your industry and just in, in general. Um, Here's how we've seen others make sense of it and kind of turn things, you know, from upside down to, to right side up. Like where, where are you in this, in this journey? Cause everyone, like it is a journey and everyone's journey is different, much like life and every company, even though they might be in a similar industry or geographic location, their journey is going to be very different. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding where they are on that and kind of just giving them the information that they need to make the best decision about how to go, go forward. So it's a, uh, every day is a new day and every day has a new, new challenge, which is awesome. Uh, but I've got a, Got a great team that I can can rely on. How did you how did you end up doing this? I'm pretty sure when you was in college or even in elementary school, when your teacher asked you, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" It wasn't this, right? No, no. I think uh, I wanted to be a pilot when uh, when Me I grew too. up. Yeah, yeah. I, like I was dead set on it, and I was looking at going going to school to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. And there were like two options at the time. One was uh, I think Emory Riddle, like mm-hmm. down uh, down at the beach. And then the other was North Dakota. And my dad said, I'm not paying for you to go party at the beach. If you want to be a pilot, you can go to North Dakota. And I was like, hell no. I hate cold weather. Um, 
I guess I'll get a degree in PR. And so that's like, I got a degree in PR um, and graduated, couldn't find a job, started, um, I should start working with an enterprise rent-a-car for a while. Yeah. So like, yeah, anyone that knows what that's like, it's, uh, it's quite an experience. I bet. Um, and uh, I was in the DC Metro at, at the time. We decided to move. We had some family uh, here in the, the Jacksonville uh, area. And ADP had had a spot that was open, and not only they quite knew what I was getting, what they were getting themselves into, and you know they, they haven't been able to shake me since. <laughs> Isn't that awesome how those things kind of work out? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I remember we would come down and visit the family um, during the summer. I'm like, God, like we can't wait, we can't wait to move um, when we retire, right? When we retire, this is where we're coming. Life's going to be great. It's amazing. And then we're like, well, like, why are we, why are we waiting until we retire? Like we're we literally like my office was eight, 18 miles from my house. It would take me an hour and a half, one way to get there. Yeah. Uh, it's cold. The the winter time is just gray and bleak. Like it's, it, it's nasty. Yeah. So we decided to kind of pick up and move. And, and I was able to, able to find, find this. And honestly, it's something that, that I enjoy. Not, not only just because of the people that, that I get to meet, but there's a lot of different communities and and um, organizations that I, I get to be part of and work with, like Disrupt HR and SHRM and all, all the other local organizations, which honestly, just it's kind of nice and gives a really good sense of feeling, you know? So, you <laughs> know what? I, I, I got to go back real quick because it just hit me. You only had two options to be a pilot, you, either at the beach or... The Dakotas? Yeah, like that was that was like the that was like the official thing. Like, listen, I'm sure it's probably changed, but at this point, but at, at the time, those were those were the options, and uh, I I did not want to go to North Dakota. <laughs> I mean, who does, right? I mean, was was yeah. North Dakota? Right? That's the what's that? South of Canada, but north of uh, of South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so. your sandwich right right in there. <laughs> so you know great, what's great funny? Um, growing up, I also wanted to be a pilot. I did. Um, I wanted I to be a fighter it. pilot. And, uh, yeah. and what happened was I was at a Thanksgiving dinner when I was 13 years old. And I've had glasses since I was 10. Yeah. And you know how you normally have that uncle who doesn't have any kind of filter? And mm-hmm. I just had an uncle who's like, you can't be a pilot. You're blind as a bat. You cannot have. You need to have uncorrected 2020 vision to be a pilot. I'm like, yeah. really? So I lost interest. So about five years later, when I was 18, I enlisted in the Marine Corps, right? So I'm like, all right, let me get as close to aviation as possible, right? I ended up in artillery. And (laughs) so we went, um, when when the whole coastal thing happened back in 1998-99, we were on ship in the USS Nassau over in that part of the world. So obviously, we were in close quarters with a lot of other areas of the the service. So I got talking to these um, Harrier pilots, you know, the uh, Harrier jets. Pilots yeah, and, yeah, and they had up, yeah and they had glasses and I'm like wait don't you need to have 2020 he's like yeah but we got that was back in the day right there's there's technology right now that can correct for that I'm like I'm gonna choke my uncle <laughs> <laughs> like that, my life is ruined my, my life, life is ruined. ruined man and now with the F35 I don't know because I still follow the aviation industry those F35 Lightning jets are amazing amazing and the f-22 raptors are amazing as well i think i lost you for a second did i lose you yeah i think i lost you brother hey i i think yeah the, the screen froze i'm sorry no it's okay it's all right i see you smiling there you go you're good you're good all right all right, all right. Now, yeah, now i got you back that's so weird sorry I'm in, no in no it's all good it's, you know, 
Yay, internet, 2023, right? Yeah, so, internet's so good, right? Yeah, so yeah, so I was in the service and I was, uh, it, it's, I just wanted to just drop kick my uncle because I'm like, man, it's because of you and what you told me, I dropped that dream. So for everybody out there listening, I know there aren't, there aren't any kids listening to an HR podcast. Don't let your uncle steer you away from your dream. <laughs> do not do that. Amen. Amen. So, don't worry. You don't need glasses. You don't need glasses, part. right? You know what? It's these days, and look, I mean, with with how uh, how this ever changing world continues, right? You got now. You have um, um, uh, jets that are being flown all the way across the world from Nevada, from Florida, yeah. and yeah. I I'm telling you this right now. Telling you this, Harrison, I, I, I'm willing to put a wager on this right now. In about 20 years, we are going to see um, pilotless commercial flights. It's going to be done stationary. I, I see that happening. I mean, it may not even be 20 years, really. If you think about how, like, the rate, uh, the rate that technology is growing at, and when you think about it, the majority of a flight is already automated. Right. True. I mean, you get, once, yeah. once you get up in the air, it's essentially the computer that's flying the uh, the airplane. It's just takeoff and landing that human intervention is needed for. So I can't <laughs> imagine it's too difficult to program uh, for for that. Now, whether or not the public wants to accept the fact ah, that the computer is flying them, <laughs> that's that's a different story. So you know, so let's go down that road, Harrison. How do you how do you prepare? So let's talk about JetBlue. Now, for, for the record, JetBlue had nothing to do with this podcast. I'm just bringing it up, right? It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a major airline, right? It's a budget type of a major airline. So let's say we have um, a, a, a director of operations, a, f- a flight operations, who's been on the field for 50 years, right? And he grew up in a, he or she grew up in an environment where things are done a specific way. Obviously, the aviation industry has changed things have evolved. How do you prepare a leader, a salty leader who's been around for 30, 40 years to deal with these ever-changing technologies and the, the brand new workers that are coming into the workplace to have a different work ethic than, than they do? How do you prepare them for that? I don't know if there is a preparing them for that. Um, I think it's more of, uh, this is like, you essentially describe the struggle that every organization has right now because th- things are changing. Companies are having to change the way they operate. They're having to change the way that um, their back office structure, their corporate office structure is is set up to be more lean and, and nimble. And, and, you know, your old salty dogs, unfortunately, if they're not able to adapt, may not, may not have a place mm-hmm. in the new, like, in the new organization. Um, and that's like, that's tough. That's one of those things that it's really hard to, like, no one wants to say that everyone wants to be, wants to be nice and like, Oh, we'll find a spot for you. But if you're not at a point where you're learning to adapt and and change, it's really hard for an organization to, to, to keep you. So one of the things that we talk to a lot of groups about is how do you reskill and retrain the current talent that you have Mm. to meet the needs of your new organization? Um, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort to figure that out because oftentimes HR, in particular, can be kind of in a vacuum, and you know they they're focused on the employees and, and they're focused on, on finding some efficiencies in here and there, but they're not necessarily truly tied into like the overall business objectives or or outcomes that the organization is trying to do. And oftentimes they can even be in like complete opposite directions. I literally, I had a company, I'll never forget this. They, they were laying people off 
and they were giving them like severance packages, which was nice. Yay them. Yeah. Um, but at the, at the same time, they were then hiring uh, new people to replace them with higher base, like higher base salaries. And like, it didn't make sense. And the whole point of the, the layoff was they had over, they had overhired and they were trying to cut expenses. Um, but yet like they were doing the complete opposite from a, like a, a talent yeah. perspective. Um, and that's really where like organizations have to get everyone involved, right? Like you got to get, you got to get HR involved. You got to get the business team involved. You got to get finance involved and get alignment on what is it that, that we're trying to do and then how are we going to do it and who's going to pull on what lever levers and then how do those levers impact um, the, re the rest of the organization? And if you can get alignment across all of that, then things really start to start to turn. So that's an interesting example that you just used because I cannot tell you how many times I have to step in from a client's perspective. I had to step in and, and, and mitigate that, right? And that's the first question that I have. The first question that I have, why are we recruiting for the same positions we just laid off? It's just, number one, it doesn't make any sense. Number two, right. it, it sends a horrible message and it's a PR nightmare, Right. So it's yeah. it's what you just said makes perfect sense on how do you mitigate that. But that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you convince a leader to actually put the rubber to the road to make that happen? Yeah, that's where that's where I think systems that have like a form of AI and, and stuff like that really come into play. Because what what I what I've noticed um, is a lot of folks in, in the HR world, it's a if they go to their business team or business office and they say, Hey, like, I feel like we have a turnover issue and I feel that that turnover issue is costing us X. Mm. Then their finance leaders are going to say, Hey, I'm glad you feel that way. Like I feel hungry right now. Um, but until you have some data to, to prove that, to prove that point, like just go away, go do your thing, go do your thing. Um, and when people are able to actually get some data and numbers to, to, to put into a story yeah. and say, Hey, we're like 40% turnover compared to our industry, which has 30% turnover, that extra 10% turnover is costing us X amount of dollars in open territories, um, you know, ramp time, training, travel for training, like, then it starts to add up and then you have a number and then finance can go, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. But oftentimes, and it's just like a struggle in, in the HR world. Like oftentimes things are just um, uh, like, it's all feelings, yeah. right. And not necessarily numbers. So, so you, you, you just used a, a line that I use all the time, all the time. And I tell all of my students, Harris, and I tell them all the time, folks, if you want to be influential, learn the language of numbers. You have yeah. to, the higher up, the higher up you go in any organization, the more fluent in that language you have to be. And if you want to be impactful, especially as an HR professional, which by the way, and I'm sure you know this and, and you have seen this in the past, 
HR has a bad history. <laughs> has a bad history. Not many leaders want to deal with HR because they see us as a cog in the machine. They see us as as a as a bump in the road when they're trying to make things happen. Now, I spent 22 years of my life trying to overturn that point of view, right? Because I right. I I. I I want to be there to help people get to where they want to be, not to be the reason they don't get to where they want to be. There's a big difference there, right? Yeah. So, so that happening with, with, with what you're telling me right now, it just makes perfect sense. You just have to know how to attach a number. You want to motivate executive leadership? Let them know how this is or it's not giving a return on our investment, right? Because <laughs> yeah. then you have their full attention, right? And then I think part of it, too, is figuring out, like, how can you tie into what what is it that the organization's trying to achieve? And sometimes it's a little harder for smaller, like smaller organizations to, to figure this out. But, yeah. you know, when you work like larger companies, if you say, hey, like, what are what are your top three initiatives um, over the next 36 months? Mm. They can usually rattle them off. Right. And if you find a way to tie into one of those initiatives and say, hey, by us doing this, we can we can impact this initiative. Now you start to, again, like speaking the, the language a little bit, you're going to get a little bit more buy-in. Okay, help help me understand how you're going to do that. Great. Well, here's like the business case that I have that I put together. This is why we need this. And if all goes according to plan, then, you know, we'll get this this result. Um, but it has to be thought out. You got to figure out how, how you're going to measure the success of it. Like there's there's a lot that goes that goes into it. And um, yeah, like I've, I've definitely seen some <laughs> HR leaders struggle yeah, in communicating. Brother. It happens. It happens. And so, so let's talk about disrupt HR real quick, right? Because, um, so I was the MC, right? So I was just introducing people left and right. Thank you. Appreciate it. I was introducing people, you know, just working the, uh, the crowd. So, you know, it's, I get parched every time I do that. I was sweating left and right. And I'm like, let me get a drink. So when, when it was your turn to go on stage, I'm like, let me get a drink right now and then come back because I got exactly five minutes. And I just happened to step away and I'm like, is he singing Backstreet? I you had the crowd singing Backstreet Boys. What's that all about? You know, so the disrupt HR thing. I, I this was my fir- first time doing it, and it really, was, yeah, it was my first time doing it. It was wild. Like, it, <laughs> Boy, it, you could have fooled me, man. It, I'm, I know you talked about it at the beginning, but it's it's insane because it's what twenty to twenty seconds a slide, fifteen right? seconds For, per slide times twenty yeah. slides, five minutes. If you go yeah. over, we'll pull you. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's nonstop. So like it's, uh, it took a lot, a lot of practice to get it, but, um, you know, I, I have a philosophy that you can't like, it's not healthy to take yourself too seriously. Um, and I think in, in scenarios like that, everyone wants to be there and you just want to have fun. So, you know, who doesn't love a good boy band? Um, (laughs) and that's, uh, that's kind of how that came about. Because I cannot, I was so mad at you because I, I was driving back home because uh, I because I I live in Orlando. That's a two hour drive, right? Yeah. I'm driving back home, then I'm like, oh god, am I really gonna go to Apple Music and pull up these songs? Am I really about to do that on I ninety five? Thanks, Harrison. I really appreciate. Yeah, I think that. You felt so great after that, though. You're like, oh man, this is the best thing ever. Like, who? What happened to boy bands? <laughs> <laughs> but what a great feeling, though. How, so. You prepped for how long? Uh, gosh, it was, it was probably like two, two and a half weeks. And like, just, I would rehearse once or twice a day. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things I like, I did it. So I've got two, two kids. I have a seven year old and a, and a four year old. 
and I did it in front of them and, and my wife. And you want to talk about like distracting, like my seven year old was just up bouncing around doing this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like just sit still. Like I'm losing, I'm losing my, <laughs> my, my, uh, you know, train of thought. It was, just, it was wild. So I knew if I could do it in front of her, um, You'd be all right. I'd, I'd be good up on stage. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so how did it feel afterwards after you, you, you got off on stage? It was great. I mean, it was, it was an awesome experience. I think everyone enjoyed all, all of the presentations. Um, you know, like it always feels good when you get a nice chuckle and, and a high five at the end. Right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that's a feedback I get from every, every first timer, right? They're absolutely horrified up until it's time to go on stage. And then there's like a five minute void in their memory. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then they like feel very old, old, old school. Yeah. That's the best example that I could picture. Right. <laughs> it's, for those of you who have not seen old school, pick up that pick up that movie. Listen to me like a blockbuster still around, go stream that movie. Right. And check out old school. If you got kids, make sure they're not there. Uh, yep. it, it's, it gets yeah. really out there, but there's a part at the end where they have to do this debate and Will Ferrell kind of passed out and this alter ego came up. It was really good. That's really how it feels. The first time we did this, I'll take, this was uh 2014, 15. We started it in Orlando. Me and my partner, yeah. Leslie started it in, in Orlando and we were at, at a sex comedy club in downtown Orlando. Dude, we've never done this before. We've never done this before. So we're backstage. We're like, there's 80 people in the crowd, right? We got 10 speakers. Nobody, nobody has ever seen anything like this before. Leslie mm -hmm. and I are like, oh my God, we started to freak out, right? We started to freak out. And we're like, you know what? Hold on a second. Went to the bar, got a whole round of shots of, of tequila shots for everybody. Right before we go live, boom, did it. It was smooth sailing. It's nothing like a good tequila shot to calm those nerves. Just one though. <laughs> just one. yeah so like i i didn't go on until the second half and it was uh it was a little difficult not to like kind of crush some uh crush some beverages beforehand but i started catching a little buzz i was like all right i gotta i gotta chill, gotta chill yeah it's gonna <laughs> this may not work out the way i want it to be <laughs> i do the same thing every time i MC one of these events i don't have a drop of alcohol until tours like 50, 50, 75 percent done. I'm like, okay, we're good. Everything's yep. good. Let me get my scotch. Let me get my drink. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But let me tell you, it, it, it's there was a lot of first timers on on that event earlier this year, and yeah. not one person came across like that was their first time, right? Everybody was, was that got up on group. stage, oh, you guys, you guys did great. great. You guys did awesome, yeah. and you know, and 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 that's the thing when it comes, especially with leadership, you have to be influential. You have to be able to connect with the people who you need work out of, right? And yeah. it's one of the things I tell my students, Harrison, is, is you need two things to be a leader. And, and I, I think I said it at the event. You need a backbone and you need people skills, right? Yeah. You need the backbone to have difficult conversations and you need people skills to make sure that difficult conversation is heard and is acted upon, right? So yeah. that said, I'm going to put you in a spot here. What are three oh things, what are three things that you feel leaders need to do or need to know in order to be influential today? Because it is an ever-changing world. All these, every every month seems like a new app, a new type of technological yeah. advance that's coming up. How, 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 what are some three things that a leader needs to know in order to be flexible and be influential in this world? Yeah, um... 
trying to sum it all up into into three. Uh, <laughs> I, I think like the honestly the first the first piece is a, a, a hunger for knowledge. Mm. There's so much stuff that's coming out. Um, you have to try and stay on on top of it, and then you also need to as you learn those pieces, you then have to share it with, with your team and, and kind of get buy-in, but you can't do that if you don't know about it. Mm. Um, so I think, I think that's the first piece. The second piece um, would honestly just be the empathy. Like, I think, I think we for, we forget about that a lot, especially as, as leaders, sometimes our commitment might be a little bit more than our teams and that's, that's okay. Um, but they're still going through things in their life and they're trying to deal, like make sense of, of their world as it's changing. And so kind of leading with, with empathy mm. tends to, to garner some, some buy-in and, and support. And you get those people that'll, that'll run, run through walls for you. Um, I think the last thing is di- like direction. You have to know what direction you want to head. And, that's a tough one because there's so many things that, that come at you. So we, we've all had those leaders that kind of like just chase the, the ball, you know, the yeah. shiny new object. Like this, like this week we're doing this next week we're doing that. It's just like fl- flavor of the week and everyone jokes about it. Um, but it's like, it, it's really counterproductive because no one really knows what's coming. And uh, it takes time sometimes to, to move the needle on things. And if you're constantly changing then everything's important. And if everything's important, then nothing is important, right? Um, so I think those, like, hunger of knowledge, empathy, and and knowing the direction that you want to go. So to recap, in order to be influential, especially in the ever-changing world, you have to be hunger, hungry for knowledge, which I agree 100%. You got to lead with empathy. And I got to tell you, that has to be a foundation of leadership, to be honest. Right, because if you don't have the capability to be empathetic, then you have no place in leading human beings. No place yeah. at all. Right, um, Marine Corps is the only exception. <laughs> That's something different, right? Something very different yes. there. Yeah. And obviously, direction, direction. So you know what? I can live with that. I like that because you know it, it's well. Here's the thing: Have you ever read a book um, called? Uh, it's by Jim Connors from Good to Great. I, you know, I haven't read that book. I know, I know of it. I know the principles, but I haven't, I haven't read that one. I love that book. And I recommend that book to everybody I talk to when it comes to leadership, because in that book, he talks about being on the bus, right? And he makes this, uh, this connection that if you make believe the company is, 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 is a bus, the bus is the company, right? The organization, the business, and the CEO is the, uh, is the, is the, is the bus driver and all the passengers on the bus are the employees, right? And in this book, he says, you know, if you fill the bus, if you fill the bus with uh, people who are excited because you're going to New York, what's going to happen if along that trip now you have to go to Texas, right? You're going to have a bus full of, of upset people, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, right. so what you want to do, you want to get people on the bus that are happy that the bus exists. If you put people on the bus that are happy that the bus is just there, it doesn't matter where you go. They're happy, right? And and they'll produce for you. But as a yeah. leader, you're directing them, right? It's, you know what? We're going to New York, but you know what? Halfway through, now we got to make a left. We got to go to California now, right? <laughs> yes, you are that leader. You are that GPS, and you need to have that direction. So I love that that 
direction piece. Now, if you ever pick up that book, Harrison, I, I got to tell you, for everybody listening, if you pick up that book, you're going to start reading in the first chapter, a lot of the companies he talks about are bankrupt now, right? Like <laughs> Circuit City. He talks about Circuit City and uh, oh, nice. all these other companies. And I'm like, yeah. don't pay attention to chapter one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pay attention to the bus uh, and the level five leadership. Trust me, you're going to love it. Now, Harrison, dude, I can be here all day talking to you, man. So l- let's do this. Do I have confirmation or do you have commitment from you that you come back on the show? That's a yes. I'm going to take your silence as a yes. That, that, that is going to happen. <laughs> that is awesome. How can people reach out to you? If somebody has any questions, you know what? I need some ADP in my life. How can, how can people get a hold of Harrison? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can. I'm on on LinkedIn and uh, fairly uh, active on there, so you can definitely just uh, look me up. You know, first name's Harrison, last name Pashati, P A C I O T T I. Oh, I'm glad you said uh, that. I always have a hard time with your last name, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, like, you know, feel free to reach out via email or um, or, or phone. So whatever, whatever is the easiest for people. Awesome. awesome. Well, you know what? Thank you very much for your time, Harrison. I really appreciate it and. Tell Brett he owes me a beer inside Joe. Hey, I, I will. And we will figure we will find a time for the three of us to get together. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. All right, brother. Have a good one, folks. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. All right, folks, that is our show. Thank you very much for listening. And, of course, you can always download the H&HR podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Amazon, Audible, Player FM, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And, of course, down on our website at Biesco.com. All right, folks, that said, thank you very much for your time again. Y'all have an amazing Christmas holiday season. I just throw all that in there. Holiday Christmas, you know what I mean. All right, folks, have a good one. Bye.